In my quest to learn more about sports history, I knew I wanted to learn a little bit more about professional hockey history. After all, I live less than 20 miles from the shores of our neighbors to the north in Canada, where the game of key is king. I figured the person to start my research expose on had to be Mr. Hockey himself, Gordy Howe, and here's his story, coming up in a moment. Hi, my name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my sporting friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch. And in my quest to learn more and more about great sports history, I know I have to get into the game of hockey a little bit more. And I'm so close to the Canadian border here on the north coast of Pennsylvania that I want to get into somebody that maybe is really special to hockey. Well, I found a guy named Mr. Hockey, and his name is Gordy Howe. So going through his career has some very interesting stories and I wanted to share with you what I learned about the great Gordy Howe, just some of the pieces of the information. Now, Howe had a career that spanned 34 seasons as a player, ranging from 1946 all the way to 1980. So think about that. That was from the just when World War II just ended all the way to just the Cold War almost ending. That's quite a career indeed. And during that period, he was part of four different Stanley Cup championships with the Detroit Red Wings. He took home six Hart Memorial trophies as the NHL's most valuable player in the league. And he was awarded a half dozen Art Ross trophies that said that he was the league's top scorer. Pretty special. Those are only part of his story, the great skater's career. There's the little stories within his storied career that I find most interesting. And I found a lot from some great hockey news sites. And I'm going to share some of those with you right now. Now, one of the most interesting ones, and it's pretty unbelievable, and I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but this came from thebrobible.com on Gordie Howe. And they, according to their story, they said that Howe went to a game during his career, didn't say where, didn't say when, But he went to a game and something happened to his playing equipment. It was misplaced or stolen or something. And so he got there with his teammates. They get in a locker room. He finds out he has, you know, everything missing. He goes around to each of his teammates and starts a collection to try to put together some pieces too so he can go out on the ice with them. And, you know, of course, they want him to play because he's their their star player. You know, at any, any level that he played at, he had to be the star. He goes around and gets all the pieces and everything. Well, one thing that he couldn't borrow or beg or, or steal from one of the other players was a jock strap and cup. So what the innovative Mr. Gordy Howe did is he put together, uh, found a, an ashtray. I'm going to assume it's a metal ashtray. And he stuffed that down the front of his uh, britches and went out on the ice and used a ashtray to protect the old uh, family nuggets there. So I thought that was pretty innovative. You know, hopefully it wasn't like a big glass ashtray because that could cause some major problems. We won't get into that. Now, another interesting story came from his Hockey Hall of Fame bio, uh, which I have little reason to doubt the veracity of. He was ambidextrous, you know, could 
you shoot with both sides of his hand, uh, both sides of stick, and Hal drew uh, a lot of attention, and he was sizzling down the left side of the wing to take a snap, sh- a slap shot, and uh, next minute he escaped down the right wing, switched his stick to the other side, and he still, with a forehand, zipped another shot on a goal. So, you know, he came down a goalie, uh, you know, fired a shot, got the puck back, came back with the other hand, scored the goal. That's truly amazing. Another one from the Bro Bible website says that, uh, you know, how rookies in all sports uh, have a good amount of torture on their hands, even when they're veteran counterparts. And, you know, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, is no exception. And he, too, had to endure some abuse when he was a younger player coming in the league. And he did play against some all-time greats like Gordy Howe. And the first time he played against Howe, who was, you know, by the way, was... You know, Wayne Gretzky's idol growing up. You know, who what what and uh, if you were playing hockey up in Canada wouldn't be looking up to Gordie Howe. And the seventeen year old member of the WHA's Indianapolis Racers was Gretzky in the 1978-1979 season. In a contest Gretzky recalls fondly thanks to the way Howe welcomed him to the big time, says the Bro Bible website. It was the third or fourth shift in the game. I took the puck from him, and before I knew it, this big stick was pounding me on the hand. I thought I'd broken my thumb. He took the puck and said, Don't ever take that puck away from me again. <laughs> and I said, Okay. Now, that's an amazing story in itself. You know, there are other stories where he was to go play uh, minor league hockey and the. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, I'm not even sure where it was. It, was, it might have been in Saskatchewan. And he went to go play. And it was right during World War II, and he was a he was a younger player. He was still in high school, and he didn't quite make the team. But they didn't want to send him home yet because they figured there was going to be an opening real soon on the team. So they told him to go down to the local high school and enroll in school and learn, and he could still practice with the team and such. Well, Hal really didn't like school. wasn't a great student. Uh, there were some rumors that maybe he was dyslexic or had some some other learning disabilities that uh, you know made it so school wasn't such a attractive place for him to want to go, and he went and uh, got a job instead of going to school at a metal uh, sheet factory, and he was making uh, items for World War II in factories in a munitions plant or, or something or building some kind of a armored vehicle or plane or something instead of being in school. That's just who Gordy Howe was. Uh, of course, you know, like we said, he played for 34 seasons and uh, very productive seasons indeed. So I got to learn a lot about this player, and there are so many other great stories uh, from the Hockey News website, the Bro Bible, the Hockey Hall of Fame, Wikipedia, goes on and on and on. The uh, HockeyReference.com website has all his statistics. Make sure you check all those out. And we're glad that uh, you could join us for this great story on Gordie Howe. Now for our sports jersey take of the day, we're going to talk to our friend uh, from an interview I had just a few weeks ago with the guys from the Gridiron Uniform Database, and that would be Bill Schaefer, Tim Brulia, and Larry Schmidt. And this is Larry Schmidt telling us how he got involved with the Gridiron Uniform Database and loving football uniform history. I'm Larry, and I currently reside in the Litchfield Hills in Northwest Connecticut. I'm originally a New Yorker. I was born in Brooklyn, and I was a third-generation New York Giants season ticket holder. My grandfather first got the tickets when the Giants played at um, Old Yankee Stadium, 
um, in the, I believe it was 1961. And my grandfather passed the tickets to my father. And then my father passed them on to me. And, you know, I grew up going to Giants games in Giants Stadium. Uh, you know, I'm from the era of, uh, you know, Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor. And um, I, football has always been my favorite sport. I've always been very passionate about it. And, you know, I've always, even at a very young age, you know, I love football history. And I think a lot of my, a lot of my passion from that comes from going to the games with my father. You know, when I started going to the games in the late seventies and early eighties, you know, the giants weren't very good. And we'd go early with my sisters and my father and I would be tailgating. And my father would tell my sisters and I, you know, stories about how the giants used to be so good. They would be in the NFL championship game every year and YA Tittle and Frank Gifford. My father's favorite player was Sam Huff. And he talked about Sam Huff and Jim Brown or Sam Huff and Jim Taylor. So I've always loved football history. And I still remember, I still have the very first um, history book I got for Christmas when I was 12 years old. And one of the things that I, you know, aside from reading the stories and the names and the players and the statistics, I love the pictures, the black and white pictures and looking at the team's uniforms. And it's something that always grabbed my attention. And I always thought it was fascinating how like, I could look at a photograph from the 1950s, black and white grainy. And I know right away, hey, that's the Chicago Bears, you know, dark jerseys with the three stripes on the sleeves and I, I just always thought that was great. And um, I used to doodle and draw pictures of my favorite football players. And um, so I remember as a reader of UniWatch, um, the first, it was a weekend. I don't remember if it was a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, you know, Paul Lucas wrote, there's this new website, um, the Gridiron Uniform Database, and they linked it. And I went to it. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. You know, like Tim was saying earlier, you know, there had never been a database, you know, documenting football uniform history before. And I spent the whole, probably the whole day, like clicking on everything and looking at the uniforms. Oh yeah. And this is great. I'm showing my wife, look at this. This is unbelievable. And she's like rolling her eyes. Oh yeah, that's real interesting, you know, but <laughs> you know, I loved it. And, you know, being passionate and possibly borderline obsessive, you know, they had a little contact us thing. And I started sending Bill and Tim emails like, you know, Hey, look what I found. I have this picture of this and it's not quite exactly what you guys have. And basically um, over time, I was probably just a pain in the ass that wouldn't go away. So they put me to work and I've become uh, like Bill's uh, one of his uh, research specialists. You know, when he needs something, he's like, hey, Larry, can you look this up? Can you help me with this or dig up some photos on this? So that's how I got involved. Hey, thanks, Larry. It's always great to learn how somebody gets involved with uh, some of the organizations you're in. And that's truly a, a great story that Larry Schmidt uh, told us there when he was talking with Tim Brulia, Bill Schaefer, and I just a few weeks ago. We're going to be airing that full podcast, uh, or at least a, the major part of that podcast, on Pigskin Dispatch over on the other side uh, here later in the week. Uh, some special thanks out to the Hockey News website, the Bro Bible, Wikipedia, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and of course, you know, the Hockey Reference and all the, the sports references, including Stathead, uh, for these great uh, information that they shared with us. Newspapers.com and OnThisDay.com. We appreciate all of them and the great people there. Make sure you check out their websites and uh, look up some more information on these great players that we have talked about today. And, uh, of course, visit that Gridiron Uniform database, uh, the GUD, they call it. 
a great place to do. And we most of all want to thank you for listening once again and making the Sports Jersey Dispatch one of your stops along the way of listening pleasure and daily podcasts to learn that sports history and preserve it. Until tomorrow, everybody, have a great sports history day. This penalty kill is almost over. I got to get back out on the ice. But thanks again for joining us for another great edition of Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.